everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company on this hump day edition of the program. It's June 29th. Closer and closer we get to your 4th of July holiday weekend. Good morning. Thank you for making us part of your morning commute on this lovely Wednesday morning. It won't be lovely later. Some severe weather possibly going to be coming through Acadiana, so make sure you're safe out there today as always. Joining me inside the game studios, of course, is the producer extraordinaire. Don't call her Hannah Bo- ba- Banana. It's just Hannah Five Names. Just go ahead and clear that up now in case there was any confusion. You can give us a holler on the hotline, of course. We love to hear from you, even though we have a great show planned. Three tremendous guests. Game hotline is 337-706-0111. That's 337 337- 7060111 you can give us a holler to talk about whatever topics you want to tackle including our foodie poll question of the week which we will unveil in about 15 minutes from right now on the show today on the docket if you will 7.30, the Mad Dog Hollywood Higgins will be joining us from Tiger Details. Ron will break down everything going on with LSU football, baseball, and basketball. Lots of activity going on involving all the major sports across the basin in Baton Rouge. At straight up 8 o'clock, Vinny Iyer, NFL reporter, columnist for the Sporting News. It's a downtime right now. But what are some of the most intriguing storylines he's looking out for as we start ramping up for training camp beginning next month? And then at 8.30, Bob Nightingale, our friend from USA Today Network, Major League Baseball reporter, columnist, will join us about the latest going on with the league. And of course, that is where we're going to start off today's show, talking Big League Baseball, talking the show and talking about them Houston Astros just straight up curb stomping the New York Mets yet again. Yet again. On a day where Michael Brantley Jr. has to be sent down to the IL for a finger issue. Only going to be on there on there for 10 days. This is not a Bryce Harper situation. Bryce Harper for the Phillies has to be put on the IL. He's more than likely going to be out longer than 10 days. No, Brantley just got slightly injured in Sunday's game, so they sent him down to the IL to be proactive, if you will. So on a day where they lose their most consistent hitter, Brantley may not be their best hitter, but he's definitely their most consistent hitter. They send him down to the IL, and they have to take on a Mets team that is a little angry, a little testy, about already losing two games to the Astros last week. Remember, that's how it began. Two games against the Mets, which the Astros won both. Then 
four games in the Bronx against the Yankees, a day off, and then two games against the Mets over in Queens. That was the Astros' schedule. Well, they beat them the first two times. And then they split in that weekend series that was pure box office between the Yankees and the Strohs. And then came last night's game. Was it much of a game? Not really. (laughs) The Astros just have the Mets number. They just do. Tucker Homers, Valdez is strong eight innings worth of work for him as the Strohs establish their dominance in a 9-1 victory in Queens against the Mets. The previously second best team in Major League Baseball until they played the Astros. Strohs score four runs in the top of the first to set the tone. They had another run in the fourth, four more in the fifth. As Carrasco is handed yet another loss by the Astros. He was sitting at eight wins. He was eight and two before last week. Now he's eight and four. Just phenomenal performance by both Valdez and the Astros lineup. Bregman brings in a run scoring Pena, who's back off the IL, the rookie sensation. Then Tucker homers to right field. That's a three-run blast, and all of a sudden, it's 4 nothing. Then Meyer singles to center, scoring Tucker in the fourth. And then Alvarez, you know, he likes hitting home runs, by the way. He's very good at it. That's what I've been told. He hits a two-run shot. Pena got on base pass as well. That makes it 7-0. And then Yuli Gurriel gets himself some love. Man has been struggling all season long with the exception of two days over one weekend about a month and a half ago. Yuli Gurriel hits a two-run home run to make it 9-0. Phenomenal performance by the Astros hitters. Pena goes one for five, scores two runs because he also was able to get on the bass path. Alvarez was a machine. Three for three, two runs scored, two ribbies, also drew two walks. Bregman continues to improve, continues to turn that corner. He goes three for five last night with a run scored and a ribby himself. Kyle Tucker, one for three, but scored three runs, three RBIs. Also, he got on the base pass by drawing a walk as well. And Yuli Gurriel had himself two for four, run scored, two ribbies. Average is up to 228 now. Bregman's average is up to 241. Slowly but surely... They're climbing. But as great as the Astros lineup was, and it's good to see Bregman getting hits and Yuli getting hits and Alvarez just on a tear, Pena getting on the base pass, Tucker getting hits. Framer Valdez has now solidified himself as the Astros' number two. 
as we head towards July, Framer Valdez is this team's number two now. It's Verlander. It's Valdez. And then it's going to be some type of combination of Garcia and Arquidi. And then whenever Odorizzi gets back. Now, once Lance McCullough comes back, then that can be a different conversation. But right now, Framber is pitching just sensational. Improves to 8-3 and three on the season. Eight innings, scattered six hits, no runs, only two walks, struck out five through 97 pitches. ERA is now down to 2.65. In a 9-1 victory for the Strohs. You look at this team, Verlander, Valdez, very likely will be 10-game winners apiece by the time the All-Star break comes around. Probably more like 11 to 12-game winners. So you get your 1-2 combination. You're going to get Odorizzi and McCullers back in the second half. You still got Garcia. It seems like Urquidy is trying to get back on track. Oh, and you got the best pitcher in AAA just waiting to be called up. This rotation for the Astros is just ridiculous. The depth that they possess is phenomenal. Is is, And we didn't look, we, we've seen flashes of how good these guys can be over the last couple of years. Because the Astros themselves have been dealing with injuries to their rotation. Lance McCullers, Justin Verlander. They've had some of their aces out. So a lot of these guys were put into action, so to speak, if you will. Sooner than maybe they wanted to. But that's starting to pay off in a big way. And the Strohs haven't missed a beat. Because you look at this team, this is what they're bringing to the table right now. We know Verlander's the ace, right? He's got nine wins. ERA's 2.22. He's had 84 strikeouts. He leads the team in all three of those categories. He's your ace. He's your front-line starter. But Framer Valdez, 8-3. and three, 95 innings pitched. He's only given up five home runs compared to Verlander, who's given up 11. He has 80 strikeouts as well, only four behind Verlander. ERA of 2.65. Those are some really, really, really good numbers. And that's the Astros' number two. Those would be good numbers if you look at Framber's line, stat line as it is this morning, 614 in the morning, on this lovely June 29th edition of the show. 8-3 and three overall, 95 innings pitched, only giving up five home runs. He walks a lot more batters than you'd like, 33. But he struck out 80, ERA of 2.65. For most teams, that's their number one starter. For the Astros, it's their number two. Because they have a multiple Cy Young award winner, an MVP, and a future first ballot Hall of Famer as their number one who's miraculously come back from Tommy John surgery looking like he's 35 years old. 
It's amazing. Verlander Valdez, that's your one-two punch, right? But then you got your rotation, your guys three, four, and five, and it's a bit of a log jam here. Some of these guys are not going to be starters for the postseason. They're going to be used to eat up innings out of the bullpen. But Jose Arquiti, he's six and three. He's had ups and downs. He's looked inconsistent for a good portion of the season, right? He's still six and three. 74 innings pitched, 55 strikeouts, ERA is 4.36. So he's maybe your number four. Luis Garcia. Five and five, 71 innings pitched, 74 Ks, ERA 3.68. Christian Javier, five and three, 62 innings pitched, 81 strikeouts, ERA of 2.73. So really, Urquidy, Garcia, and Javier are all about the same of what they bring you, right? All three can strike out batters. ERA is not as low as you'd like it to be. But those are three guys that any one of them can be a quality number three starter in a rotation. Well, the Astros have three of those guys. So as it stands right now, they got five guys they can throw out there. Five-man rotation right now. Sometimes you think Urquidy has the most natural talent of the three, but he's been wildly inconsistent. Garcia has had some moments he'd like back. When you give up 12 home runs, that's going to be the case. Christian Javier may be the best of the three, the most consistent of the three. Doesn't give up a ton of home runs, only four on the season. ERA is where you want it to be, below three, 2.73. But you got a three and a four and a five right there. Any one of those guys can be the number three in a rotation. So you got three guys that are quality enough to be number three pitchers in a rotation elsewhere, and you can have them as your number three, your number four, and your number five. Oh, and on top of it, Jake Odorizzi is going to come back. That's going to give you six. Then you got McCullers. That's going to give you seven. There's not enough spots on the roster for all these guys. But the fact that not one but two of their starting pitchers, guys that were supposed to be part of their three- to four-man rotation, have been primarily out for the majority of the season. McCullers still not back. Odorizzi got to play in seven games, pitching seven games, with two quality starts before being derailed with his injury. And they haven't missed a beat. It's phenomenal. The depth of their starting pitching is absolutely bananas. Astros-Mets will get back at it this afternoon. That's right. You don't have to wait a long time to listen to your Houston Astros try to go for the another two-game sweep against the New York Metropolitans. 12-10 is first pitch this afternoon. Steve Sparks, Robert Ford will be on the call as always, and you can listen to that game live right here on the game. Once again, Astros at Mets, 12-10 first pitch later this afternoon. As the Strohs try to improve to 47-27 with a win later on today, Verlander will be taking the bump, trying to get to 10 wins 
this afternoon. We got to take our first time out of today's show. You're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. If you haven't signed up for the game clubhouse, you need to do so today. Because here's the thing. It's free to join. It's easy to join. It's so simple, even RP3 can do it. And once you become a member, by the way, you get 500 points by just signing up. That's right, 500 points for just signing up. You can use those points. They become your currency, and you can get a slew of different things. Concert tickets, station swag, Astros tickets, and you can also score yourself gift certificates some of to Acadiana's best restaurants. I'm talking a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse down at Cypress Bayou. I'm talking a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. I'm talking a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. They're all there inside the Rewards Club ready for you to win. But you got to sign up. Go visit 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today so you can have the opportunity to start winning free, great stuff inside our clubhouse. Once again, visit 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Click on the Clubhouse Rewards tab. There's a video featuring Matt Viguez that will show you how simple it is to sign up. So go sign up today. It's free to do so. Houston Astros, winner, winner, chicken dinner against the New York Mets, 9-1. That follows an 8-2 victory last week and a 5-3 victory last week. The Strohs will be looking for the sweep in the short two-game series there in Queens later on today. Valdez gets the win last night. Eight strong innings from him. Scoreless eight innings. From Framer Valdez, who improves to eight and three on the season, as Carrasco is denied getting closer to ten wins yet again. This afternoon, Verlander will be taking the bump to try to get to ten wins himself. Woo! Twelve ten, first pitch. Robert Ford, Steve Sparks on the call, live from lovely Queens. Can the Strohs... Look, when you look at this stretch of games, we talked about it earlier last week for the Strohs. This was going to tell us a lot about just how good Houston was. The Mets at the time were the best team in the National League. Second best team in the big leagues. Yankees were the best team in the big leagues. Well, let's look what they did. They take two games from the Mets with Urquidy and Garcia both picking up wins. Then they turn around and get a split in a four-game set in the Bronx, which felt like an October series to most of us. They lose a walk-off fashion, 7-6 on Thursday. They come back, win 3-1. to 
the no-hit the Yankees in that powerful lineup on Saturday, then lose in walk-off fashion again with Judge coming up with another big hit, losing in 10 innings, 6-3. to three. So they go toe-to-toe with the best team in the big leagues and probably should have won that series but didn't, but still get at least a split. And then they crushed the faces of the Mets yesterday. The, the, this is exactly what you would want from your team. You beat the team from the other league. Right now, you've won that, right? You've already won the first three games. Even if you lose today with Verlander on the bump, you still take three or four from the Mets, even if Verlander and the Strohs do lose this afternoon. And then you split with the Yankees. You've proven that you belong. You've proven that you're one of the best teams in the big leagues. And then you get another crack at the Yankees, on Thursday, because it's that weird rescheduled game that's going to be happening. Thursday, inside Minute Maid Ballpark, 5-10. It's a weird start time. Look like we're going to have Verlander and Garrett Cole, but that's been changed. Obviously, Verlander's pitching today. Garcia will pitch for the Strohs on Thursday. Saravino will pitch for the Yankees. And then... You're going to welcome in the Los Angeles Angels, the fighting MVPs for a three-game set. And then you're going to kick off 4th of July with a four-game set against the Kansas City Royals. Just saying. It couldn't have gone better for the Astros. Bregman continues to improve. He continues to get on track. You get Pena back. Yeah, you have to send Brantley down to the IL, but it's for a minor thing. And Framer Valdez has established himself as the number two starter for this rotation. All in all, good stretch here for the Astros. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Martin to the show. Martin, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind? Good morning, Mr. Bald and beautiful one, a.k.a. my future tag team wrestling partner. How you doing, buddy? What's up, bud? <laughs> me and you's gonna be like me and you's gonna be like Kane and uh and um Daniel Bryant, you know? Oh, uh, nice. I forgot what that t- their tag team was one day cuz uh I mean, you 7 foot tall and I'm 5 foot tall, so it's all good. It works itself out. <laughs> it balances. Yeah. All right, bud. <laughs> okay, so I, I I couldn't call in yesterday. I was busy. So, uh, over and so, y'all, Astros giveaway, they're playing uh, the fighting five names, right? That, that That is correct, yes. Okay, so what's the over and under that uh, the Mariners do what they do best and start a fight with the with the Astros for that game? Well, better question, really- better question is, they don't start fights with the Astros, but the better question is, they actually beat the Astros. Don't forget yeah. that. Yeah. Don't forget but that. They're back. evenly matched. They they All the times they've played so far this year, the series is split evenly, and it's also split evenly with the amount of runs scored for each team. So for whatever reason, Seattle plays its best baseball when it plays Houston. Well, I mean, if they can play them 160 times a year, they'd be undefeated, right? <laughs> Maybe. So uh, I'm going to start I'm going to start calling them the Seattle Brawlers. That's what I'm going to start calling them. But anyway, I got to address uh, something uh with my little uh New York umpires fan like like I call them. Did I hear a little bit of concern in the man's voice 
yesterday when he called in when not even two weeks, not even a week ago, he was certain that his New York umpires were winning the World Series. I said, man, y'all have had a cupcake first half schedule. Y'all ain't played nobody. Y'all finally played, played a contender. And what y'all do? Y'all, y'all, y'all get no hit. Then, of course, the umpires cheated for y'all the first game. So, I mean, that, that went, but, uh, but they split it. So, um, but in a couple of weeks, I got news for them. We, my, my Red Sox play them. We're going to bring them back, back down to earth. And I can honestly see the Astros catching the Yankees for the best record in, in Major League the second half of the season. I, and also, my Red Sox did lose last night. But it's still a glorious day because Aaron Judge went, uh, put up a big old goose egg on the, uh, on the scoreboard last night. So that's always a good day when he struggles. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think I heard a little concern in the New York umpire's voice. Uh, yes, but he don't sound too confident anymore. <laughs> but I've been telling them that all season long. Y'all had a cupcake schedule. I've been playing the, uh, the worst of the worst. Now it's, and and just like uh, I told him too, um, big bald and beautiful. And I said to beat the man, to beat the man, you gotta beat the man. And when was the last time they beat the Astros in the playoffs? That's true. That's so true, until brother. Until they beat the Astros in the playoffs, then don't come at me saying you're winning the World Series. That's all I have for today, my man. All Appreciate right, brother. Enjoy your day. Call. Enjoy your day, bud. Yankees, Astros, look, the Red Sox have been playing extremely well of late, last 10 games or so. Now, if you're an Astros fan, you exactly, uh, you would love to see what Martin laid out that, you know, the Red Sox take down the Yankees and let the Astros catch them in the overall standings. But I don't think it really matters. And I don't think it matters because it looks like to me that these two teams are above the best. Boston can continue playing better. Great. And once again, it's a long season, right? The Astros are expected to get order easy and McCullers back. That could make them stronger, but an injury could also derail their plans as well. Same thing for the Yankees and Red Sox, Dodgers, Braves. It does not matter. It's just how baseball works. And we saw the Braves, a team that many people thought should have a fire sale last year at the trade deadline. Instead, they were aggressive. And we're able to turn around and win the whole thing. So, it's a long season. As it stands right now, Astros and Yankees look to be the cream of the crop. But, it's a long season, and a lot of different things can change. It's time for us to unveil our foodie poll question of the week. Of the day. You know, hot dog is going to be a popular item this coming holiday weekend. Grilling them up on the backyard or going to the ballpark for the 4th of July weekend. That leads us to our foodie poll question. What is your favorite hot dog topping? Is it chili cheese? Because you can't have one without the other, right? Do you like getting chili and cheese on the top of the hot dog? Do you like just getting some relish? Do you like sauerkraut? Or do you like ketchup and or mustard? Go old school. Just want ketchup and mustard to be done with it. Or, of course, you can also leave your own comments, your own choices if they're not already there by leaving your comments on Facebook and Twitter. It's our foodie poll question of the day. What's your favorite hot dog topping? Chili and cheese, relish, sauerkraut, or ketchup and or mustard? 
right now 80% of the vote, early voting in, goes to chili and cheese, 20% for ketchup and mustard. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Keep those comments coming on Facebook and Twitter as well. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company, though, coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 29th, 1977. Future Hall of Fame outfielder Willie Stargell hits his 400th career home run as his Pittsburgh Pirates route the St. Louis Cardinals 9-1 at Bush Stadium. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We mentioned earlier Michael Brantley Jr. for the Strohs being placed on the IL. It was not a finger issue. I was mistaken. It was actually shoulder discomfort. Has a shoulder discomfort issue. So they're going to give him some rest, put him on the IL. We'll see if he has to do a rehab assignment. But yesterday was a day where a lot of stars, if you will, were placed on the injured list. In addition to Michael Brantley Jr. for his shoulder discomfort being placed on the IL, the Atlanta Braves, the defending World Series champions, had to put Kelsey Jansen, their closer, on the IL due to an irregular heartbeat. That's the thing that's kind of scary. Shoulder discomfort, an issue. Irregular heartbeat, that's something that could be a career ender. 15-day injured list with the irregular heartbeat the team announced on Tuesday. The move was made retroactive to Monday when Jansen felt discomfort, Brian Snedeker said, Braves skipper. Jansen has gone corrective heart surgery, his second procedure back in November of 2018. So this has been a recurring issue for Jansen. But the fact that it's popping up yet again is a problem, right? This could be something that's never going to go away. He had a cardiac procedure in 2012. Then he had a second corrective heart surgery procedure in 2018. Now he's having an irregular heartbeat again. And here's the other thing about Jansen. He's 34 years old. He's already accomplished so much. First 12 seasons with the Dodgers. This year, 4-0 with 20 saves for the Braves, who he signed with on a $16 million deal in March. So Will Smith or A.J. Minter is going to be called to close out games in Jansen's absence for the Braves. So Brantley for the Strohs on the IL for that shoulder discomfort. Kelsey uh, Jansen for the Braves on the IL for an irregular heartbeat. But that's not it. Because it was MASH Unit Tuesday, apparently, in Major League Baseball. <clears throat> Bryce Harper, the slugger, Mr. Batflip himself for the Philadelphia Phillies, has that broken left thumb. That's going to require surgery now. He'll undergo surgery today to stabilize his broken left thumb. Interim manager for the Phillies, Rob Thompson, said on Tuesday... 
He did not reveal a firm timeline for Harper to return to the lineup, but did say that the team is hopeful he'll return this season. It's not even July yet, and the manager's like, we're hoping he'll be back this season. The season doesn't end until September. Not a great sign, especially for the Phillies who are struggling. Harper was injured when he was hit by a 97-mile-per-hour fastball from Blake Snell in the fourth inning of Saturday night's game against the San Diego Padres. Harper is your reigning National League MVP, hitting 318 with 15 home runs and 48 RBIs in 64 games. So that's a huge loss for the Phillies as they try to climb back into at least wild card contention. They've already fired their skipper. Now the face of the franchise is going to be on the IL with a finger issue that's going to require surgery. Not great. More on the brawl between the Mariners and the Angels. Yesterday we told you all about the suspensions concerning the fisticuffs between two teams below 500. Here's something else. I said yesterday my favorite part of the story was the interpreter, right? The interpreter getting suspended for two games for throwing down in the brawl for the Angels. That only surpasses the skipper throwing the sunflower seeds and having a meltdown. I may have to stand corrected on this because Los Angeles Angels right-handed pitcher Archie Bradley is now on the IL for fracturing his elbow in the dugout because of the brawl with the Mariners. The the brawl wasn't in the dugout. I know what you're thinking. So Archie is a reliever for the fighting MVPs. He broke a bone in his right elbow while climbing over the dugout railing to take part in the massive brawl. <laughs> what? This story just gets, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Did he get injured in the actual brawl? No. Did he catch a haymaker? No. Did he throw a haymaker? No. Is that how he got injured? Nope, 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 nope. He injured his right elbow by trying to climb over the railing to get involved in the brawl. He's going to be out for at least a month. A month. Just, are you kidding me? He slipped and fell on the railing when the brouhaha broke out in the second inning. Can you imagine? I got you, bro. I got your back. I'm coming. Uh, uh, just just breaks a bone in his elbow, falling over the railing, trying to get involved in the brawl. What a buffoon. What a buffoon. You got the skipper acting crazy. He's an interim guy as it is. You got the pitcher throwing the sunflower seeds. You got a relief pitcher 
falling and breaking his elbow trying to get into the brawl. These are the Angels, by the way. This is the team that has Mike Trout and Otani. This is them. This is how they're ran. What nonsense. Also, non-injury related news, because there was plenty of it that came out of Major League Baseball yesterday. But here's a story that interests me. Not only because personally it interests me, but it should interest you. Last year, last offseason, Atlanta Braves hero, Freddie Freeman, who had been through the team, through ups and downs, through the lean years, he was the face of the franchise. But Freddie was getting to the point where he had one last payday left in him, one big payday. And he didn't want to leave Atlanta. He said he didn't want to leave Atlanta. He brought Atlanta, helped bring Atlanta a World Series championship. Well, they negotiated. The only team he ever played for. They couldn't come to terms. That's what we were told. Couldn't come to terms. And then Freddie ends up signing with the Los Angeles Dodgers because, of course. And people were like, how did the Braves not get a deal done with Freddie Freeman? How did they let him walk away from Atlanta? This is where he's been. He was drafted by us. He was developed by us. He's a hero. So forth. And a lot of Braves fans still angry about it, even though Olsen has done a very nice job replacing Freddie Freeman, the young man we got from Oakland Athletics, who's from Georgia. Well, at first it was all about why did the Braves do this? The Braves failed. The Braves did this, did this, this, this. Well, well. Freddie Freeman has fired the agency that represented him this offseason in the negotiations with the Atlanta Braves. You're with your new team. Your agency got you this deal with this new team. You got the big money. You're going back to California where he's originally from. Yet, on June 28th, you fire your representation. Maybe the Braves couldn't get a deal done with Freddie Freeman because Freddie Freeman's representation didn't get the deal done. Excel Sports Management was his representation. Once again, Freeman left the Atlanta Braves and eventually landed with the Dodgers. There was shock within the industry because of Freeman's long history with the Braves in his open love and appreciation for the franchise and vice versa. Freeman we find out yesterday has fired his agency, Excel Sports Management, according to multiple sources. Casey Close, who was the lead agent in Freeman's talks with the Braves and the Dodgers, did not immediately respond for comment to ESPN. In a statement to MajorLeagueBaseball.com, Freeman acknowledged his status with his agent is fluid but not confirmed the firing. This is coming off going home going back to Atlanta this past weekend because the Dodgers played the Braves. There was a picture on social media, which was from above, that showed all the Dodgers teammates lined up on the bench and Freddie Freeman behind them sitting atop the bench by himself. By himself. Sure does feel like somebody's got regret. (laughs) An emotional, he said, he admitted as much, 
Last week in Atlanta was a very emotional time for me and my family. I'm working through some issues with my longtime agents at Excel. My representation remains a fluid situation, and I will update it as needed. 32 years old. Should have never left Atlanta. Sources say Freeman indicated to some of his former teammates over the weekend that he was that he was going to change agents, giving his frustration with how his free agency concluded in March. The Braves made a $135 million five-year offer that was still on the table in the first days after the owner's lockout ended. As reported in March, close, the lead negotiator for Excel contacted the head of baseball operations for the Braves and presented two proposals on behalf of Freeman significantly higher than the $135 million offer, giving the team an hour to respond. The Braves bumped their offer up to $140 million and they couldn't get the deal done. So his agent played hardball and said, "This is the Braves said, this is the offer. This is what we want to give you. The agent said, that's not good enough. I give you an hour to respond. The Braves gave a bump in pay to him. They couldn't part way. They couldn't meet on terms. And now Freddie Freeman apparently isn't happy playing for the Los Angeles Dodgers <laughs> and reportedly is trying to fire his agent so there you go that explains a lot we got to take a timeout. we'll wrap up our number one update that poll question of the day the foodie poll question of the week that's all coming up next right here on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station and your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros foodie poll question of the week is our poll question of the day what is your favorite hot dog topping right now 85 percent leading the vote chili and cheese no votes yet for relish or sauerkraut 15 percent say ketchup and or mustard hannah is very excited about sauerkraut not getting any votes she loves insulting all german people including the person that sits across from her every day in his family um You'll have to deal with my mother now. JPK, the OD, says chili, cheese, and mustard. Anything else is just weird. And it has to be that three days on the burner chili that's just basically a sauce with orange grease on top that defies gravity and crawls up the sides of the pot like it's trying to get out. You know what I'm talking about? I do. Hart on Twitter says, when hot dog stop used to be open, they had an alligator sausage dog topped with etouffee. Thanks, Ray. Now I'll be hungry for the rest of the day. You're welcome. Brad says, don't have a favorite topping, but gotta be ballpark franks. Sometimes with chili and cheese, sometimes with mustard and ketchup. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. That's going to do it for hour number one. Hour number two coming up here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. 
Welcome back to RP3 and Company. I'm the big, bald, and beautiful one. And you know what? I have an open mind when it comes to hot dog toppings. I'm not prejudiced against certain toppings that are liked by certain nationalities in the world. Unlike someone who will go unnamed here today on this hump day edition of RP3 and Company on this beautiful June 29th morning. Yes, producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names. Would you like to add something? I'm sorry, you had the you were ready to talk. What what, what is it? Just because I tasted sauerkraut and I don't like it. Does that mean I'm prejudiced? You called it trash. Yes, because I don't Thus like, I don't in like turn. Because nasty. Oh. Wow. Wow. It's good working with you. It's been a great run. I don't like almost all of our options. I don't like relish either. What? I want real pickles. I don't need no relish. So not only are you hating on sauerkraut, you're hating on relish. Yeah. I don't know what to do. What do you put on your hot dog? Break it down for me. Because this is what it is. She called, she told me that sauerkraut is trash. And then she said I was trash. You didn't you it didn't did, get to part that, no, that, that part. No. That part happened. I never said you were trash. Because <laughs> I said sauerkraut was trash. Even where I hate Germans and I don't I'm like gonna, your family. That's I'm what you gonna, made it seem like. And I don't. I didn't say any of that. It is is the preferred hot dog topping of my of my people, of my ancestors. So I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you study on how you would build the perfect hot dog. Already got that. We're gonna discuss that later on today when Steve Wiley, the intern Daryl, making his final appearance on RP3 and Company, because he's gonna be learning how to do things on the afternoons now. Plus, poor James has been complaining about not having an intern. So yeah, the worst reaction too. Like I was waiting for him, like yeah, but down, excited. And he was like, "Okay." He's like, "Oh, that's great." He spent more energy complaining about not having yeah. an intern than he did about <laughs> getting one. So, so, <laughs> but I digress. And me just saying, oh, "I got, I, I got a difficult can, life." Can I tell really? him? Can really? I tell him? Can I tell him? He's, he's he's such a little little kid. But later on in today's show, in the eight o'clock hour, Steve, Daryl, Hannah, and I will discuss what is the preferred topping and. How do we like making our hot dogs? How do we like constructing them? Because you, lots of hot dogs are going to be grilled up. Lots of hot dogs are going to be eaten this weekend. It's the 4th of July weekend, of course, as we celebrate our nation's birth. And that's our foodie poll question of the day. What's your favorite hot dog topping? And look, running away with it, chili cheese dog makes a lot of sense, right? The chili and the cheese. 83% of you say that. 17% say ketchup and or mustard. Do love a good hot dog. Had chili on my Frito pie yesterday. Going to pay for it today, says Dougie Fresh. <laughs> he says, chili and cheese for this old man. When I was a kid, used to have a place over Mobile called Colonel Dixie, which was a hot dog place. It no longer exists. They closed the last one a couple years ago. We did nothing but hot dogs. You had a great chili cheese dog. And you also have what they call a Dixie dog, where they put like relish and onions and everything, ketchup and mustard, the whole nine yards on it. So I love hot dogs. I'm a big hot dog guy. Now, some people like to be bougie with their hot dogs. They, they like to try to, you know, look, I'll, I'll eat brats all day long. I'm German, of course. I brought it up with the best of them. But I love hot dogs. But I'll eat all types of hot dogs. 
Chicago style, even though it's not my favorite, I'll eat it. But chili cheese dog, oh, man. But see, some people dress the hot dog with all their toppings, then add the chili and cheese on top. I lean towards just the hot dog with the chili and the cheese. Like you can get it from Sonic. So I don't know. It's our poll question of the day. Our foodie poll question of the week. Go vote on it. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. No shenanigans. No getting out of hand this morning here on the RP3 and the companies. You know what got out of hand last night? Houston Astros baseball game. They took it to the poor New York Mets, which always makes me, you know, emotional. It's so sad to see the Mets. <laughs> I couldn't even get the words out. Anytime the Mets lose is a good day. Rule of thumb. Rule of thumb. Any day the Mets lose is a good day in my book. The Astros crushed their faces yesterday. Just absolutely slapped them around. And rightfully so. Because is there another team that deserves to be slapped around more than the Mets? Just saying. Astros 9-1 victory. 12 hits. Framer Valdez was sensational. Eight scoreless innings. Scattered six hits. He improved to 8-3 and three on the season. ERA now 2.65. He has solidified himself as the true number two in this Astros rotation. Carrasco does not get closer to win number 10 as he's now lost back-to-back outings, both against the Astros, as the Strohs get on top of him early, scoring four runs there in the fourth. I miss four runs there in the first, rather. Jordan Alvarez hits home runs. Tucker brings in people. Even Yuli Gurriel got himself a two-run home run. Michael Brantley on the IL with a shoulder discomfort. But the rest of the lineup, Jeremy Pena back in the lineup. And the Strohs rocking and rolling. Nine-to-one nine victory, rather, yesterday. Framer Valdez, once again, eight strong innings. Lineup looked good. Bregman continues to hit. That average is now up to more than 240. It's climbing. It's climbing. And Yuli Gurriel looking good as well yesterday. And a quick glance at the updated Major League Baseball standings as we near the end of June. Yankees, 55-20 and 20 overall. They hold a 12-and-a-half game lead over the Toronto Blue Jays, a 13-game lead over the Fighting Martins, the Boston Red Sox, even though the Red Sox have played better, going 7-3 and three in their last 10. The Twins, who are losing their pitching coach this week to LSU, which I'm still trying to wrap my brain around, Leads the Central by three games over the Guardians, who they're currently playing in a four-game set. Astros, they're 46-27 and 27 now. They lead the American League West by a full 10 games over the Rangers, 12 games over the Angels, and 12 and a half games over the Mariners. Over in the Senior League, the National League, the Mets still lead the National League East. By four games over the Braves. But boy, those Bravos sure have closed the gap significantly in the last month. 
Brewers are going to battle it out with St. Louis, I believe, the rest of the season. It's only a half-game lead. The Cardinals, they're always good. They're always competitive. The Brewers and Cardinals are in a fight. They're in the National League Central. And out in the National League West, Dodgers are atop the standings at 45 and 28, but their lead over the San Diego Padres is only a game and a half. Giants have started to fade. They're five games back at 40 and 33 overall. And the Colorado Rockies, they have high altitude and legal marijuana in that state. So they're, they don't care that they're 33 and 42 and one of the worst teams in baseball. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Reynolds to the show. Reynolds, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Good morning, good morning, good morning. I tell you what, I'll be the first one to break the ice. I absolutely love sauerkraut on a hot dog. There it is. I ch- and I'll tell you what right now. The only problem with sauerkraut or being on your hot dog is it's hard to get good sauerkraut over here. That's Canned true. Stuff is trash. That's true. It's trash. It's true. Uh, you would need to go to Chicago, New York, somewhere up north to get true or make it yourself. I'm a chef. I can figure it out. But, I mean, uh, you know, it's just hard to come by. But I love sauerkraut. It's great on hot dogs. There we go. Thank you, Reynolds. Yeah. So, and I'll tell you what, the other thing, too, you like kimchi. You know what? I do. It's, ba- it's basically Asian sauerkraut with yes. chili paste. Yes. I do like that. Good stuff. There we go, bud. Good stuff. See, Reynolds. Br- Let me ask you this, Sergeant. Yes. Go, go ahead. ahead, brother. What's on your mind? So, I just heard that uh, UL just picked up a player from Florida State. Do you know anything about him? I can give you a little information here in a moment, my friend. I'll give you that. I'll give you the the update that we have, the information on him. Okay. We all have a great one. You too, bud. Thank you for the phone call. So, it's Jackson. I, I don't know yet how to pronounce the young man's name. Jackson Niza. I'm going to go with that. He's a pitcher from Florida State. He announced on social media that he'd be transferring to Louisiana to continue his baseball career. This was confirmed by the transfer tracker, courtesy of D1 Baseball. Guy can throw up to 94 miles per hour. That we do know. Mostly in the low 90s is what he throws. He's eligible for the draft in 23. He's a product of St. Cloud, Florida. He made 14 appearances last season for the Seminoles, pitching 15 in one-third innings. But he gave up 14 earned runs. ERA of 8.22. He's 6'1", 180 pounds. Perfect game had him ranked as the 16th best right-handed pitcher in Florida coming out of high school. He'll have at least one year of eligibility remaining. He's draft eligible in 2023, and he'll jump into the bullpen that lost his entire weekend rotation, also lost Bo Bonds to Tommy John surgery. So this is definitely a guy that can help the Raging Cajuns. The amount of runs he gave up is a little alarming, but when you throw that hard with that much velocity, 
you tend to be a little confident in your abilities and you tend to give up pitches that can be sailed over fences. So, could have put him in the bullpen to add depth. And once again, the Cajuns need to address pitching this offseason. And it looks like Matt Deggs has already done so, getting Florida State pitcher, relief pitcher, Jackson Nazu. Yes, actually. What? What? I'll go ahead. I just, I'm done for the day. I'm never going to be as good as that moment right there because I str- names are hard. They are very hard. Names are very hard. Very hard for especially the big, bald, and beautiful one. So I'd expect Deggs and company to continue to hit the transfer portal. I know he, look, if he had a choice, he'd choose not to. But he knows that he's going to have holes to fill. He's got guys that have lost to injury or have moved on, have graduated. So he's going to have to address it. Now, he'd like to do it by getting JUCO guys and signing high school kids. But obviously, he understands that he's going to have to do whatever it takes. And the the name of the game now is going to have to be adding guys via the transfer portal. So here's a guy that can come in and help shore up the back end in the bullpen for them immediately. Doesn't mean that he's going to come in and going to be the closer. Doesn't mean that he's going to come in and, you know, be a star. You're just adding someone. And and here's the thing too, people get excited because he played at Florida State, which is their traditional a tradition rich program, by the way. With many college world series appearances and super regionals and all that good jazz. But here's the thing. We have the transfer portal up and running now for almost 2 years you're going to have opportunities where where you played at isn't all it doesn't really matter i guess because teams are just going to be in such a need of getting guys getting players that i mean i mean look at LSU baseball team one of the first guys they got in the transfer portal was a a, a pitcher from Creighton so or Creighton depending on what part of the country you're from so, you know, can that kid pitch in the SEC? I don't know. We'll find out. But you pretty much get to a position where you, you know, you have an opportunity to add a quality player, you're going to do so and hope they fit. But it's a good pickup for the Raging Cajuns, adding some pitching help from the transfer from Florida State. Once again, hard-throwing kid. He can get it all the way up to like 94, 95 miles per hour. That's what he's been clocked. So get a flamethrower like that. They could do wonders, especially if you need him to come in and get a couple key outs if you're in a bases loaded or just in a jam period. Just overpower the hitters. We got to take a timeout, but not to worry. More RP3 and companies coming up. That hotline's still open. Not to worry. Just because Hannah's hating on sauerkraut doesn't mean that I won't put you through, that I won't force her to put you on the air. Game hotline's open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and company right here on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. 
RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. Looks like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's time for an epic night of fights. UFC 276, 276 is here, and two titles are going to be on the line. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter to win and get $100 in free bets, win or lose. Whether it's a victory by KO, submission, or decision, you win no matter what. And with DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can turn another small bet into a big payday. Combine multiple bets like which fighter will win, number of knockouts, and more. For UFC 276, you can place the Same Game Parlay, and if it hits, you'll win double. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code 1037GAME. Bet $5 on any UFC 276 fighter to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code 1037 game this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Must be 21 years of age to play, physically present in Louisiana. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions do apply. Minimum $5 deposit. You got to see DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Don't forget to vote on the old poll question of the day. It's a good one. It's our foodie poll question of the week. What's your favorite hot dog topping? Right now, running away with it is chili and cheese, which, I look, I can't hate on. I understand. But see, I'm accepting of all different types of toppings for hot dogs. You like chili and cheese? Get after it. The preferred topping of my people? The pork kraut? The preferred topping of my people, the Germans, I'm with you. Or you just want to go ketchup, mustard, classic, right? Classic. little ketchup, a little mustard, a little relish. Oh, that's, that's a good hot dog. Right now, 79% of the vote, chili and cheese. 21% say ketchup and or mustard. Oh, heart has chimed in. Hannah screening phone calls, not allowing people of German descent through from now on. RP3 Sports? Wow. 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 Composure. (laughs) I do not prefer to indulge on sauerkraut, nor do I prefer relish. I ever tried a bratwurst? No, I have not. Would I try one? Yes, I would. You know, Tom, ser- have- ser- seriously, you never tried a bratwurst? Uh-uh. Oh, I'm going to take care of that. Okay. We'll take care of that. That's going to get taken care of within the next week. <laughs> but- I'm going to the store. I'm going to give you some brats. Going to grill them up. Ooh, good brat. Oh, come on now. Sometimes I eat brats without a bun. Just straight up. Straight up. Brought it up all day long. I was raising some hot dogs just in case. So I did, I'm not liking a bratwurst. 
<laughs> you want me to bring <laughs> a hot still, dog in I case you don't like, like the bratwurst? I mean, I'll bring something for myself. You like my daughter. Like we have to have a backup plan for dinner, <laughs> which is always ramen, by the way. Hey, ramen's pretty good. Ramen or cereal is her backup. She'll just look at me and she go, Dad, can I just have cereal instead? Like, uh, ask your mother. Because I'm not, I'm not a big fan of eating cereal at night. I don't know why. I just don't. Oh, My no, wife loves bowl, eating. A good bowl of Cheerios, a little bit of sugar on it. Oh, that's that. that then why just it, it, why if because honey nut Cheerios not enough. And I can't find the ones that had like the yogurt, the strawberry yogurt ones on it. I can't find those. They always want to put strawberry pieces. I don't want strawberry pieces in my cereal. But no, a good ramen noodle with like steak or chicken from like the day before. Mix that in there with a little bit of a sliced piece no, of cheese. You're 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 taking Making something. I am. Yes, you're taking cheap poor people college student food and trying to mm-hmm. make it bougie high end. You watch too many too many shows on Food Network. Of those same people that I specialize in ramen, high-end ramen. No, no. If it comes in a plastic, crunchy bag, and you boil it on the stove, and you have to break it up with a hammer, I don't care what you do to it. It's not going to be bougie. It's ramen. It's done in like five minutes. Yeah, but if you you can just put like the, the way I used to do it, which I still do now is you make the ramen noodles when it's almost done. You put a slice or two of like cheese that you put on like a hamburger put that on top of that boom especially the like the creamy chicken one that's the best one a little tabasco or crystals so so you're you're doctoring the ramen to the point uh-huh. where it's going to be unrecognizable <laughs> you're adding cheese and hot sauce yeah. to the ramen to make it edible is what you're saying yeah or when people go and they say they're going to have an order for like the old place I worked at, and then they don't pick it up. So then we get basically we get free steak. <laughs> so you take that home and make room. Oh, it's, it's it's amazing. <laughs> Go vote on our foodie poll question. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> foodie poll question of the week, and uh, we'll address whether or not Hannah is prejudiced towards uh, people from Germany, like my mother who came through Ellis Island many years ago and became a citizen of this country. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. You hate German immigrants. It's fine. I don't. <laughs> have you ever had sweet and sour cabbage? I may have. I don't remember, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have to pull out the old cookbook and make some classic German dishes. It can be a team bonding thing. You make that Could story? be. Let's do it. There we go. Foodie poll question of the day. What's your favorite hot dog topping right now? Running away with it is chili and cheese, 79%. 21% of you say ketchup and or mustard. No votes for relish, no votes for sauerkraut, even though Reynolds did call about the sauerkraut, which we appreciate. So keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming. Right now, though, we got to take a timeout. When we return, our first guest of today's show will join us, the man known as the Mad Dog, a.k.a. Hollywood Higgins. Ron Higgins from Tiger Details will join us, talking all things LSU. Man, it's been a busy last week for basketball, baseball, and football. We'll break it all down. That's coming up next right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. What a great Tiger. Half 
The week is in the books, which means it's time to talk Bayou Bengals with Tiger Details columnist, the mad dog himself, Ron Higgins. Here is Hold That Tiger on RP3 and Company. Mad Dog, a.k.a. Hollywood Higgins. How are we doing this morning, brother? I'm good, man. I'm good. I, I'm uh, I'm fresh off a, a shoot on Monday where I was a uh, a, a high end donor at a university at a cocktail party. That's what that's what I did Monday on a on a shoot. So so so, so how many different roles? Because you're 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 uh, serving as an extra for this television production. How many different roles have you taken on? since you began this little journey about a month ago? Uh, I'm just like five or six at least. I mean, I've been a, uh, I was a, at an art auction where I got, we, we were robbed. I was at a, a tourist at Graceland. Uh, I was uh, in an FBI headquarters. Uh, what else was that? I, I, I know I was, I was a stand-in. Now, now stand-ins don't, aren't, aren't background actors. What stand-ins do is they, when they're setting up the shoot for the scene, uh, the stand-ins stand where the, the actors are going to stand, so they can, the camera can look at it, and then they'll they'll walk through the scene with the stand-ins. But I was a stand-in last week uh, as a as a henchman. I, I, uh, I was a bad guy. No, two weeks ago I was a bad guy, and uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones was in the scene, so she actually saw Catherine Zeta-Jones on the on on the set of a the show I did. So you have my attention, Ron. <laughs> Just hey, hey, the, the best part is we know we're, we're shooting in this airplane hangar in Baton Rouge and it's and they, they have storms coming in and they, they, they're finishing a scene and, and an airplane a private airplane pulls up unknowingly to ruin the whole scene to do it all over again and so when we finish uh, you know the director goes okay Catherine we're done and she goes great I'll, 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 I'll see you next week and okay and she waves and she walks over and she gets on a private jet and flies off <laughs> <laughs> well man my, my man's on film sets hanging out with academy award-winning actresses in between going on cruise ships you're living your best life brother well you know what I, i'm i'm trying but you know I'm, I'm working in some lsu stuff in the off season here and uh first of all i'm, I'm gonna say congratulations to you i don't know if anybody because raymond never never really toots his own horn but uh this past weekend, he probably, as far as I know, and I've been around a long time, uh, he became the first guy in Louisiana Sports Rock Association history to win first places in print and broadcast and photography. Uh, that's just freaking unreal. I don't know anybody who's done that, so I want to congratulate you because I, I know how hard you work to make it look easy. Thank so, you, brother. Thank you. I also, also take full advantage of massive layoffs in our industry. So, <laughs> as both you and I have experienced being laid off in this industry, we know all too well the state of uh, print, especially print journalism these days, my friend. All right, let me ask you something. Jay Johnson, I, I didn't expect him to be this aggressive, but he's been super aggressive with the transfer portal and with getting the pitching coach, how big of a deal is it that he's getting a guy that is the pitching coach for a team that's in first place in the major league baseball in its division to leave that job in the middle of the season to come to Baton Rouge? Well, it's huge. I mean, look, look 
okay, he loses his, his longtime pitching coach he's had. And, like, almost immediately he goes out and gets Wes Johnson from the Minnesota Twins, who has SEC experience and who the, apparently the Minnesota Twins pitchers love. Uh, this guy's pushing the right buttons. His, his all-season acquisitions have been, from the transfer portal, been tremendous. I mean, got the, probably the best freshman hitter in the nation and Tommy White from North Carolina State, who hit 362 with 27 homers. Uh, he got a Vandy right-handed pitcher with a 3.7.2 ERA. While some people might trump their nose at that, it's probably better than everybody on everybody LSU's staff this year. Uh, and Vandy recruits really good pitchers always. And then the, you know, yesterday he got an infielder, Carter Young, from, from, uh, from Vanderbilt who at one time was a number 17 major league prospect in, in, uh, in America uh, before his freshman season a few years ago. He's from Washington, so I'm sure that Jay re remembered him from or probably recruited him in Washington uh, when, when Jay was at Arizona. He, this kid was at Washington. And, uh, I mean, just two years, I mean, this, uh, and he was hurt early to start this. He, he got hurt last fall, and it, his, his year this year wasn't as you know, great as it wanted it to be. But a year ago in 2021, he was on the SEC uh, newcomers team and and uh, and uh, was second in Vandy's team in RBI. So this guy, this guy can play. He's an infielder. Uh, he's had um, and he had, uh, he had 20. He's had 20 errors in his uh, in 473 chances in his career. But he's like a 95 percent fielder, which uh, for LSU probably is better than most of the have. So. He's making acquisitions. Uh, his off his, his transfer portal stuff so far has been really, really good. It's been really good. He also got the Baylor middle infielder who, right. who can hit as well, uh, and that's going to be a guy that's going to start. Who do you expect besides Jacob Berry that's going to be gone because of Major League Baseball amateur draft for LSU? That's a, that's a really good question. Maybe Doughty, maybe. Uh, yeah, Cade, maybe, right? Yeah, Cade, maybe Cade. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, of course, the, uh, the picture they had from San Francisco for one year, uh, uh, he, he probably, he's, he's gone. They, 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 they'll lose some people, but, but what, what impresses me is that, you know, Jay is just right away addressing their needs, you know. Uh, you know, let's add another bat. You know, let's, let's uh, we need pitching. Let's get some pitching. We need some fielding. He's addressing what they need. Uh, and on and top of it, Ron, they got the number one ranked recruiting class coming in. Right, and and, and and you know, it's only the major league draft is like until uh, mid to late July now. And usually, it's after in the, you know, during the World Series, College World Series, and they moved it. And so, uh, while it's, I guess it's better for the kids, I guess, or better for the coaches not to have the College World Series. It makes it pretty iffy for coaches trying to put the, together their rosters. Uh, college coaches not knowing. Uh, if these guys will be back or not, because you, you recruit these high-quality guys who, who, you know, major leagues want badly, and they're, if they're high draft choices, man, uh, you're on the edge whether they come back. I mean, LSU has rarely gotten lucky, you know. They got lucky with Dylan Cruz. Was Dylan Cruz was adamant, I'm not going to, you know, I'm, 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 I'm taking my name out of the draft. And the LSU got lucky with him. Uh but a lot of times you don't. So I think Jay is erring on the side of caution here. And I'm sure he's got a list of other of other transfers on hold 
to tap into in case we, you know, he loses. And he'll he'll lose some of these guys. But like, like somebody said, uh, if he gets half these guys, he still probably has a number one class. Uh, and now you have to go uh, put it to use. Um, and uh, put this way, there'll be more expectations on him this next year. And I, I know people were people looked at this year as a transition year. They kind of realized halfway through this this season that some things weren't going to change. The starting pitching was never going to get better. The fielding never really got better, except when they played on artificial turf, and they were great. Uh, so there'll be more expectations, and and, and now you're playing in a you're playing in a division where the last two national championships came from your division. Yeah, let me uh, ask you about that, Ron, because Mississippi State last year, Ole Miss this year, they both break through, finally win a national title in baseball, and this time Mike Bianco, who was a former star catcher and played for Skip at LSU. He he finally gets it done at Ole Miss. Four of the eight teams in the College World Series were from the SEC West, none of them LSU. The national champ from the SEC West yet again. Does that ratchet up the pressure for Jay Johnson to get it done and take this program and take it to the next level, going from a 40-win team that reaches a regional final to getting to Omaha and being a 50-win team? Yeah, I think it does. But also, I think he realizes that they're going through this season what how hard it is to win this league, and what it takes to win in this league. Uh, that you have to have good starting pitching, and you have to have fairly flawless fielding. Um, I don't worry about their hitting. I mean, the guy knows how to teach. The guys are real, obviously a good teaching coach hitting, and I'm not worried about their hitting. But yeah, you know, I think he realizes, man, you got to have some arms in this league to win, and you got to, and you really. You've got to have infielders who, you know, you know, vacuum up ground balls and, and throw them to first base with with, that, with with ease instead of looking like they're about straining to get the ball to first base. Uh, so I think he knows what they need to win, and uh, I'm really happy for Ole Miss. Uh, uh, you know, I, I covered, you know, I worked in Memphis for almost 30 years, so I covered a lot of Ole Miss and Mississippi State. I covered the whole entire SEC, but. I got to know a lot of people over there. And listen, my first start covered Ole Miss baseball when I when I got to, in Memphis back in the early '80s. I mean, their facilities were like their baseball stadium. Their bleachers were like these these old wooden splintered bleachers from their football practice field that they just took from their practice field for the baseball stadium. They they had crappy facilities. I mean, they you know they didn't put any money into anything. Uh, and you know when they won one the other day, I thought about all the coaches who had you know who who'd been there before, particularly Jake Gibbs and uh, Donnie Kessinger, the former, uh, and then his son too, uh, as coaches had to you know kind of put put together a program with you know bad facilities and not much of a, a fan base, and I felt good for him, and I felt really good for Mike Bianco, who was uh, you know was really roasted early this year. Uh, they didn't get off to a great start. And they just finished fantastic down the stretch and got it together. And uh, man, I love stories like that. I was happy Mississippi State won last year because knowing all the all the years where they had really good teams that didn't make it under Ron Polk, uh, I have great respect for the tradition of, of programs of building it. I mean, Ron Ron Polk was the first guy in the SEC at Mississippi State to show ads that you could win in baseball and market it correctly. And then Skip came along and took it to a new level at LSU. And then once he did that, every athletic director in the SEC realized, you know what? If we put money into our, our baseball program and you know, have better facilities and hire better coaches, 
we can maybe make some money off this thing. And, and it, it's a great family gathering. The tickets will not be as expensive as football and basketball. And this is a great way to get families to out into games. And, uh, and, and that's what's happened to SEC. And, and that's why SEC has, has been dominant in baseball. They were, the, they were the first to figure out you can make, really make money off this thing. Everybody got it together. And it's why, you know, you've had Georgia, LSU, South Carolina, uh, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss win national titles. And, and Arkansas like, play for another. In Arkansas, should have won another. Yeah, I mean that's, uh, I, you know, I guess was in this SEC World Series. Uh, I think there was a play when there are two Arkansas fielders almost ran to each other on, on a simple pop fly and brought back bad memories of the how Arkansas lost that uh, World Series a few years ago when um, they misplayed a foul ball pop fly. But yeah, Arkansas will break through eventually, uh, and that that's the great thing about the SEC. I know people get tired of the SEC in all sports they are dominating, but the reason the SEC dominates is that no matter how much they bicker and, 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 and maybe publicly over stuff like the football coaches, when they get together in destinate meetings, uh, you have a commissioner who tells them, everybody shut up. We're all in this thing together. We're, uh, we're, when we all come together as one, we're better as a league. And there's room for everybody to win, and we all share money. And because the, the SEC's revenue sharing it was was way ahead of what the Big Twelve had, that's why they got Texas, Oklahoma coming. They got that's why that's why that's why A and M came in because they got tired of Texas telling them to run the Big Twelve. But Texas is not going to run the SEC. But let me tell you the, the the fact that in the SEC everybody has a chance to win something in some sport. Every school has a chance to win something in some sport. They really do. Even, you know, people say, "Well, even Vanderbilt, yes, even Vanderbilt." Even yeah, you're not you're not wrong. We're talking with Ron Higgins, the Mad Dog columnist for Tiger Details. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, bud, I got to ask you about the Manning Passing Academy. I know you went to it last uh, last week, covered it. Anything stand out to you based on what you heard or what you saw down in Thibodeau? Well, well, I had a change of plans. I had to go to a funeral so the, so the Passing Academy, but. Uh, you know, I, I heard both both LSU quarterbacks, former and present, uh, uh, showed out Max, Max Johnson and Miles Brennan. It's interesting, Raymond. I, I don't know if you tr- I don't know if you tried to cover that last year. I did. It was a mess. Yeah, but last year, Max Johnson and Brennan didn't show up because they were quote too busy concentrating on winning the LSU starting job. Yeah, they were pulled at the eleventh hour. Yeah, they yeah. left the camp. Yeah, and so. This year they're both there. I guess they're. I guess they're. It's okay because they're competing for separate starting jobs. There it is. There it is. Fascinating. Uh, of course, the talk was Arch Manning who, who committed to Texas, and I was not surprised by that. And I'm happy for him and the Manning family. That it's uh, class family and a, a good kid. And I'm, and uh, you know, I think he'll I, he'll do well. He'll he'll do well. Uh, I can't say if Texas is back, but that was a good get for them. And, and uh, uh, I'm sure they're in the recruiting process. He was guided by the principle uh, that most of the Mannings chose their universities, which was this. Basically, their basic thing is always, if you got hurt tomorrow, would you like going to school there, just being a student? Honest to God, I mean, that's most of the Mannings. That's the way they, in, in the end, that, 
in the end, I think that's what Archie asked Peyton and Eli, you know. Well, and, it, never- and that, that all stems from Cooper getting finding out that he has the neck issue and can't play right. football anymore, but yet he stayed. Right. If he, yeah, that's right. If, if you if you couldn't play tomorrow, would you like going to school here? You know, and uh, I'm, I'm glad for the kid. I'm glad he did. He ended it. Uh, uh, and it was, you know, I don't know if LSU was ever considered seriously, but I, I, I get, I, of course, you know me. I, one thing will tick me off. It gets me. I get tired of people saying, "Well, he didn't want to go to LSU because the Mannings uh, hate LSU," or uh, he needed to go to LSU because uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, the Mannings owe Louisiana. Uh, you know, that will have sons stay home. Look, man. Manning's don't Louisiana anything. Manning's have given it all Louisiana. They they created this 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 tremendous passing academy for all these kids, uh, and bringing really good teachers. And they have all these quarterbacks who 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 get together, college quarterbacks get together and and, and teach and learn. Uh, you know, God knows how much Archie's dumped in the city of New Orleans. They don't have anything to Louisiana. That's right, uh, brother. That's right. All right, bud. All right, man. I gotta let you go. Enjoy your week, my friend. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the holiday weekend. Uh, I am just, you know, uh, you know, SEC media days will be here like in a, in a few weeks in, in in Atlanta, which I I hate to go to Atlanta for media media days, but that's where you go. And uh, you know, who knows when next acting job will come open? I have no idea yet. <laughs> Bud, we'll talk to you soon, brother. <laughs> All right, big boy. We'll see you. <laughs> we gotta take a time out here on RP3 and Company. But we'll wrap up our number two update, the poll question of the day, the foodie poll question of the week. That's all coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know, we mentioned Ole Miss there, Mike Bianco winning a national championship as a head coach. But the crazy thing about him is this. He played for two years was Ben McDonald's catcher there at LSU playing for Skip Bertman in the late 80s. He goes and serves as a grad assistant at Northwestern State up in Natchitoches for a couple years, comes back to LSU as an assistant coach as part of three national championship teams. He was an assistant coach under Skip during the gorilla ball era of the 1990s. He was on three of those teams that won national titles. Also, he then goes and does what? Coaches McNeese for three seasons. His first head coaching job was in Lake Charles with the Cowboys. You know what he did there? Led him to an NCAA regional and a regular season conference championship his last year. Then he took the Ole Miss job 20-plus years later. He's won a national championship as a head coach. Lots of Louisiana ties there for the Ole Miss skipper. Update that poll question of the day. It's a foodie poll question of the week. What's your favorite hot dog topping? 78% of you say it's chili and cheese. 19% say ketchup and or mustard. 3% say sauerkraut. No votes for relish. I wish there was another option on Twitter. I could say all of them. What has Steve presented to us? Steve has bougie taste. Let's see what he's done here. These are lobster dogs for all... To celebrate the fourth, don't knock it until you try it. Hashtag say no to meat. Hashtag live healthy. This man's got lobster on the dog. I would try that. I like lobster. I'm all day. 
Martin says some good old deer chili with jalapenos, and I for once agree with five names. Sauerkraut is like putting judge on my socks. Nasty yuck. See? It's like putting Aaron Judge, MVP, leading candidate from the New York Yankees on the Red Sox. That's what he says. That's what it says. So he's with you. You guys are sauerkraut-hating buddies, you and Martin, tied at the hip. Hannah and Martin, they hate sauerkraut together. There it is. Hour number two in the books. We ran a little late. We got to get out. Hour number three. We're going to kick it off with Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News. That's next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, our number three has arrived. Don't be sad. I know it's our final hour of hanging out with you this morning, but we're going to finish strong. We're going to give you what you want, what you need. Coming up half an hour from right now, Bob Nightingale, USA Today Major League Baseball reporter columnist is going to join us, give us his thoughts on what's going on in the show as we head towards the 4th of July weekend. Also coming up in about 20 minutes from right now, producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names, intern extraordinaire Daryl, and the legend Steve Wiley will join me here inside the studio as we'll talk about our poll question of the day, which is our foodie poll question of the week. What's your go-to favorite topping for your hot dog which of course is a staple during the fourth of july weekend that's all coming up but right now we're going to kick off our number three talk in nfl training camp burning questions training camps right around the corner and there's still plenty of questions concerning major teams contenders some new faces and new places and so much more. And to break it all down for us is our good friend from the Sporting News, Vinny Iyer, now joins us here on RP3 and Company. Vinny, good morning to you, bud. Happy 4th of July to you and your family, brother. Hey, thanks again, uh, RP3. How are you doing? I'm doing great, bud. I'm doing great. So we'll start off with some, some serious stuff here. The Deshaun Watson saga, I guess, is the best way to describe it. When do we expect something to be done by the NFL concerning his availability to be able to even play this year? Well, I think it has to come soon because the disciplinary hearing started on Tuesday. So they're going to figure out something. I think they have an idea of where they want to go. The year-long indefinite suspension has been the indication all along. But it just turns into indefinite where there's no to say at least one year, maybe there's a chance that he can be reinstated at some point this year. So I think those are the terms they're trying to figure out, maybe talk about it, like learn where they're at in the legal process. And the NFL doesn't always act accordingly to the legal process in their own way with the personal conduct policy. So they'll figure that out. But right now I would say it's tough to see that reduced from a year. And I just think the NFL – also realizes if it's anything less than a year, there's going to be some backlash. And, you know, the NFL, because these are arbitrary kind of lengths there that they decide upon, especially with this personal conduct policy, they're going to do what's best for everyone involved here. And I think uh, that 
giving him that extra year beyond the not playing last year out of his own volition at the Texans, and then having the Browns get out of it as well, where they can move that contract to 2023 and see what happens there. I think that lines up pretty well. So you you believe that the Cleveland's going to have the flexibility here to not have to pay Deshaun at all this year, that they can just simply move the contract back a year? I mean, that's the indication right now, and it's not done very often in the NFL. It's called tolling a contract, but basically everything in that contract, the parameters, including the $10 million cap hit this year, that it'll slide over next year, then the big hit of $45 million won't happen until 2024. So in a weird way, the Browns will have more flexibility to do things in the short term, and one of those will be being able to eat some of Baker Mayfield's salary to actually move him. So interesting dichotomy happening here is that you think, okay, Deshaun Watson suspended indefinitely for the season. We need a quarterback. Oh, here's Baker Mayfield, our starter from last year, but we've already burned this bridge. This will actually help us trade him because we'll have some more money available for us to facilitate it for someone else to take him on. So very interesting, but in a matter of days, you could have – the top two quarterbacks right now, the depth chart, Watson and Mayfield out of Cleveland for 2022. Wow. That's just, that's, uh, that, that's, of course, it seems fitting for the Browns. Uh, no offense to Cleveland, but that's, that's a very Browns move that, that's happening. All right, you, you led me to my next question, Vinny, and that's about Baker Mayfield. That, bur- that bridge has been burned by both sides. So who is a, uh, who, what's the likely destination for the former Heisman Trophy winner and number one overall pick? I still think it's the Seahawks. I mean, you look at Drew Locke, and I, people have said, okay, is Baker exactly the fit of their offense? They want a guy with a strong arm and can uh, play off the running game and throw downfield, kind of old school with what they had with Russell Wilson. But they're going to also take the best quarterback available that's going to help them win games and not fall flat. And you can't go in this season with Drew Locke with nothing there to really feel good about. Geno Smith, that can't be – your top two quarterback options. I mean, Drew Locke was not even good enough there in Denver to continue to keep the job, even with his big arm as a second-round pick. So you think that's the option. I mean, I don't quite understand still the Panthers' interest. I mean, just see what you have in Sam Sam Darnold and Matt Corral. If you don't like either one, move on. Get someone in the draft next year as a first-round pick. So (laughs) I think it's the Seahawks are the most rumored team. But here's an interesting scenario I laid out uh, as well as the 49ers are in the mix here. Here's why, because the 49ers may say, look, we need to have a veteran backup just in case things don't work out. Trey Lance right away. He's still a very young quarterback. Give him another chance to develop here. Who's the guy that can fit playing off the running game and defense we have is a good bootleg type quarterback. Well, Baker Mayfield, I think he's a good system quarterback for what Kyle Shan wants to do. And that what would happen then is now you can move Jimmy Garoppolo who wants to start. He would start immediately there with uh, Cleveland, with no Watson. So things might line up perfectly. It's kind of interesting. We've talked about the Browns, 49ers. What are they going to do with these two quarterbacks all offseason long? Well, circumstances may lead to them being the trade partner in all these teams, the Seahawks, Panthers, to some degree, maybe the stash teams like the Vikings and Rams. They're all going to be left out here in looking for a quarterback between these two guys. We're talking with Vinny Iyer, NFL reporter for the Sporting News. He joins us here in RP3 and Company. All right, bud, let's turn our attention to training camp and big training camp questions. If you don't mind, we'll, we'll kind of go through by divisions here, and you just tell me which, what's going to pique your your uh, your most interest, so to speak, once training camp starts. And we'll start 
in uh, over there in the the division with the Patriots and the Dolphins and the Jets. Lots of buzz this offseason with what's going on in South Beach. Is that the team that's the most intriguing to you, what's going on there with Tua and the offense and all the new weapons? I think there's a good focus on a team with a young quarterback and a lot of weapons, but the team that I'm not focused on is uh, the Miami Dolphins, but rather New York Jets. I think the Jets are not getting enough credit for what kind of roster they've kind of put together offensively. When you look at it, I mean, you are stacked there. I mean, they invested in two tight ends, and that was like the least thing they did. They got Brees Hall, they got their number one receiver there in the mix, and have uh, Garrett Wilson with your other weapons and Corey Davis and Elijah Moore was pretty special last year. So you've got three decent receivers for Zach Wilson. Makai Beckton should come back. You've upgraded your offensive line again with Lakin Tomlinson. This team is pretty stacked all of a sudden offensively where they got versatile players and weaponry and a good offensive system with Michael Floor and an offensive line where there's a lot of question marks in Miami. I mean, I like Terry Hill, but is Tua Tagovailoa going to be able to consistently connect with him to take advantage of that, or is it going to be a lot of the Jalen Waddle quick passing, hope something happens after the catch type of offense, or thrown to the tight end quite a bit? So, I think the Jets have higher upside. I think Dolphins maybe have a higher floor right now with their offense. I mean, they also have Chase Edmonds in there, so they upgraded. And they also worked on their offensive line as well with Taron Armstead and Connor Jackson. So those two offenses. One of them is going to step up and be dangerous. It really just comes down to Wilson versus Tagwola, who makes that jump. Let's go over to the north there in the AFC. This is a division that intrigues the heck out of me, Vinny, because I'm I'm, in, I'm interested to see, you know, did the Bengals do enough with addressing their offensive line? Are they going to have a Super Bowl hangover from losing the Super Bowl? What about Cleveland and all its messiness? Baltimore seems to be flying under the radar, which kind of suits what they want to do. And then Pittsburgh, you know, no big Ben. You know, who's going to lead the Steelers? Uh, is this the most kind of interesting division to you heading into training camp? Yeah, I mean, if you look at some of the things that may happen, if Deshaun Watson suspended, even with Jacoby Brissett and the Browns having a loaded roster, I don't see them being all that competitive. I see them maybe being an eight or nine win team at best with the roster. So you got that team. The Ravens, I think, are the team that they're going to start to scare some people because their secondary has come together really well. They've got some defensive pieces reloaded. So they look like the Ravens from just a few years ago with Lamar Jackson. And I think Marquise Brown not being there is actually going to help that offense. And you get J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards back in your running game. So the Ravens and Bengals, I think those are the two teams with the most stable situations right now i mean the browns are going to figure out uh, quarterback and the steelers do too i mean is Mitchell trubisky the right guy for right now or should they just go with Ken Pickett? Uh, can they handle that a little bit playing off that young quarterback how many lumps is that quarterback going to take and uh, bring down the defense so it's an intriguing division i think it's wide open right now but you lean a little bit more because of the quarterback stability to the bengals and ravens what stands out to you? What you're the most intrigued about about the AFC South? The AFC South's a tough one because we want to dig deep there. But I'm interested to see how the Colts respond. I mean, they've changed quarterbacks yet again here. They went from Phillip Rivers to Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan. They have a pretty good roster when you look at their offense. And we know Jonathan Taylor is the heartbeat of that. I think they have a little bit more weaponry also around Matt Ryan. Protection is not bad. So, 
Colts should be rebounding here with Frank Reich. Is it Tennessee's time to fade? Is Ryan Tannehill kind of hit the limit there? Do the wheels fall off of Derrick Henry and the foot injury? So those are things that you have to look at with the Titans and then the Jaguars, again, rebooting again with Doug Peterson for Trevor Lawrence. So there's a lot of question marks in this division. But right now I would say the Colts are the favorite. And then the Texans, again, what do you say about the Texans? Just trying to figure it out, see if Davis Mills uh, has got something here to be a legitimate starting quarterback. Let's go over to the AFC West. Uh, this is another one that's that, that's intriguing. You know, Denver makes the big splash to get Russell Wilson in. That's great. I still don't know about their roster overall. Uh, the Raiders, you know, they get one of the best wide receivers in the game to come there. Well, what are you looking forward to when it comes to the AFC West? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I still make the reference that Russell Wilson is maybe the third best quarterback, maybe even the fourth best quarterback in that division. So the Broncos upgraded to still having the worst quarterback in the division, potentially. And, uh, okay, maybe he's better than Derek Carr at this point, but who knows? I mean, Derek Carr now gets his old buddy, Devontae Adams. He's going to have Hunter Renfro and uh, Darren Waller as well. I mean, that's a pretty good trio of receivers for any quarterback in this league. So, and I think their offense is also going to be more spectacular there with Josh McDaniels running it. I think they'll get more out of Carr. So, watch out for the Raiders. They stunk in the playoffs. The Chargers might be the best team. They didn't make the playoffs last year because of how they finished against the Raiders, but they got Justin Herbert, who can challenge Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen for best uh, pure throwing quarterback in the AFC at this point. So, and, and all the changes defensively, Cleo Mack, J.C. Jackson. You figure the Chargers and Chiefs are still going to be the favorites here. The Broncos have the work cut out for them. I don't know what you're going to get, honestly, from a lot of parts of the Broncos, including the receiving core around Russell Wilson. How does that work? Um, and then defensively, I think they're going to take a hit with that Vic Fangio and his influence. So it's going to be interesting, but I'm not sure the Broncos' expectations to meet where they can actually finish the division, given how talented the other teams are. We're talking with Vinny Iyer, NFL reporter for the Sporting News. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, bud, let's switch over to the NFC, and we'll start in the West. The Rams are the defending Super Bowl champs, but they do lose some pieces. Vaughn Miller's gone. Andrew Whitworth, their big anchor across the offensive line, retires, and, and they lose a couple pieces that happens to every Super Bowl team. San Francisco, what are they going to do at quarterback? That's a big question. Uh, when you look at the West, what intrigues you? Yeah, I think Rams are their title defense. is going to be interesting. I don't think they can do it. I just think the NFC is just too loaded where I can't take an individual team versus the field and then you got to worry about the teams in the AFC. So I think they'll be very competitive as they always are with Sean McVay and their defense right now. But offensively, there are some things that need to be sorted out, I think, around Matthew Stafford. I mean, just let's not forget about Stafford leading league in interceptions there with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, that's something we're going to have to clean up a little bit. He's getting older and he's had an injury here. So that's something you worry about. The 49ers, it comes down to Garoppolo versus Lance. Who do they feel can help them win more games? A very talented roster. The Cardinals are just going to try to get younger here. I mean, that was a the problem. They got a little too long in the tooth here. They need Kyler Murray to shake off that game, shake off some of the offseason to play well. And then Seahawks, as I mentioned, they got to figure out a quarterback and quickly here if Drew Locke is the answer. I also – do wonder when it comes to the West, you know, you mentioned the 49ers, the Cardinals, you know, is this a make or break season with uh, Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, the combination of those two guys? 
Well, I think what happens is you get a playoff breakthrough, and then all of a sudden it raises the expectations. And it's all about the expectations. It's all about how much the Cardinals expect to be better. So there's maybe sometimes a wrong perception that, okay, so we did this as a wild card, so we should be able to get better this year. No, it doesn't quite work that way because you have roster turnover. Again, the Cardinals had the oldest roster by average player age last year, and you try to get a little bit younger there. So you kind of maybe peak to do that. So I think you have to give a fair assessment of how good the Cardinals actually are and go from there. But I, I think the playoff berth is probably going to have a pressure point there for Cliff Kingsbury. I think he's going to have to get back there. And Murray is going to have to start playing well to get that contract he wants. NFC North, uh, the Packers got weaker, I think would be a, a safe thing to say when you lose someone like Devontae Adams and they lost other pieces as well, offensive linemen, defensive players this offseason. You do bring back Rodgers. But that said, it's still the Packers division, right? I mean, or, or are you intrigued by what's going on in Chicago and Minnesota with their rebuilds? Well, the Bears, I think you can write off. I think there's a lot of question marks around Justin Fields. He had another offensive transition for them. So I, I think they may need a year. They're defensively building mode. If you look at the Vikings, they can be dangerous. You get Kevin O'Connell. We know the effect of uh, Sean McVay and Zach Taylor, that offensive influence. So watch out for them. I think defense is going to be a bit of a question mark. And they get Neil Hunter back at the level he was to kind of anchor that team because there are a lot of question marks in the back seven of that defense. I think you look at Detroit. I think Detroit is a worthy buzz team. Again, another team like the Jets that all of a sudden you look at their offense, pretty good offensive line. Uh, top 10 in the league right now with the five guys they have up the front. And you had Jameson Williams to Amon Ross St. Brown and DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson. You start to have legitimate offense building there on Jared Goff. So do not sleep on the Lions maybe finishing second in that division this year. But the Packers are still the team to beat. Their defense is still pretty strong. You know, that's been the backbone of their team. The running game is not going away. And Aaron Rodgers is going to find a different guy to throw to and make it work. So I, I just, uh, until I see Green Bay knocked off and I see the Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers Express get, don't, doesn't get close to 13 wins, then I'll talk about it. All right, bud, quickly, NFC South. Um, I, I feel like, you know, obviously, we're in Saints country and there's a lot of buzz going on there. But uh, Tampa Bay, and I, I'm intrigued what's going on there because it is a changing of the guard with the coaching. What in, uh, What is the big thing for you heading into camp about the NFC South? Yeah, I think this is a, maybe the last stand for Tom Brady, but then the Falcons, you kind of write them off. You're not sure what they're doing. With the Marcus Mariota transition, the Saints are hoping for a lot of good things from Jameis Winston and their revamped passing game here without Sean Payton. So there's things to be intrigued with with those two teams, but I still think it. Uh, it belongs to Tampa. Carolina is just a mess to me, and they got to figure out a lot of things there. So I think the Saints or Falcons, one of them is going to have a surprisingly good year and finish in second place. I would lean more New Orleans than Atlanta, where I think Atlanta and Carolina might be not only battling for the worst team in this division, but the worst team in the NFC. So there's that to look forward to for them. With the Buccaneers, I think this is Tom Brady. One last run here. No Gronk, but plenty of other guys in the mix here for him to uh, help him have one more shot here at the Super Bowl. So all Tom Brady needs is a decent seed and a playoff berth, and he can uh, be dangerous, and I think that's definitely going to come again. And one more, and it'll be NFC East, Vinny. Uh, Roger Goodell isn't going to do anything. It doesn't seem like the owners are going to do anything, but now Congress is stepping in. 
Will Daniel Snyder still be the owner of the Washington franchise by the end of this calendar year? I don't see that happening. I mean, this is the last thing they need. They need the commanders and this team to be relevant. That's why they work so hard. That's why you have the football team and you have the commanders. Then you've had different hires that they hope are going to be better leadership, including Ron Rivera and Jason Wright. Like, are these the guys who are pushing the commanders forward? Absolutely. Is the specter of Daniel Snyder what's holding this organization back from winning again? I think it is. So move, move them out of the way. The, the NFL doesn't need these type of owners in, in the league, it just, it just is not good in the end. Where I think the commanders have a lot of other positive vibes going on. So focus on that and push them forward. Where you look at this division, it may not be so quick for them to compete just yet. You've got to figure out what's going on with Carson Wentz and if he can hold up here after the Colts ending there. But you, you figure this is the Cowboys division. The Giants are still trying to figure it out with Daniel Jones. The Eagles. Have some upside here with Jalen Hurts, but yeah, I think this belongs still to the Cowboys, and hopefully Washington can move on here pretty quickly. Vinny, appreciate your time as always, brother. Thank you so much. Enjoy the uh, 4th of July weekend, my friend, and we'll be in touch. All right, thanks, RP3. Have a good one. We went long there, but, man, Vinny is just so good at what he does, and he is just – you can ask him anything about the National Football League, and he can comment on it with intel and intelligence love having him on we got to take a time out you're listening to the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station and you're home for the lsu tigers and houston astros Oh, the Houston Astros are one of the hottest teams in baseball, and you can see them live in person. That's right, the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Seattle Mariners on Saturday, July 30th, and you can be there to watch all the action in person. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com so you can score four tickets a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Once again, four tickets, a tour of the ballpark to see the Strohs take on the Mariners, a.k.a. April champions, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astro Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The foodie poll question of the week. It's about the dogs. It's about hot dogs it's fourth of july weekend and joining us now inside the game studio to talk about our foodie poll question of the week is the legend steve wiley the intern extraordinaire daryl making his final appearance on rp3 and company because we're shifting his internship to the afternoons so he can learn how to do all that and more we're trying to give this man everything he needs to be successful in this business and of course the producer extraordinaire hannah five names Leading the vote as your favorite hot dog topping, of course, is chili and cheese, 76% of the vote. 20% just say ketchup and mustard. 2% for sauerkraut, 2% for relish. I'm going to open it up to you, Mr. Wiley, the elder statesman of (laughs) RP3 and company. You don't have to rub that in. (laughs) Yet you're older than I am, but yet you look and sound better than I do. So that's that's pretty much an indictment on my life. (laughs) So when you go... With hot dogs, what's your go-to? If 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 you're at the barbecue, you're at the cookout, does not matter. 
you get your hot dogs, what are you putting on them? What's your go-to topping, my friend? I like to mix it up. Um, you know, if chili and cheese are available, I'll take it. Sometimes I'll do ketchup and mustard at the same time. Sometimes one or the other. A few days ago, for the first time in years, I put some relish on a hot dog. Ooh, I'm not a big relish guy. But see, I and get- you can take your sauerkraut and. Oh. Well, I can't use the words here. Oh, don't don't worry. Hannah called it trash earlier. Trash, the 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 preferred hot dog topping of my people. She said is absolute trash. Is what well, she called it. What do you want me to do? What? <laughs> what do you want me to do? She says. What do you want me to do now? What about a Chicago style dog? How do you feel about? Chicago? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I've only been through O'Hare Airport. I've never spent time in Chicago. You've never spent time in Chicago? No, I haven't. Chicago's one of my favorite cities. It it may be my favorite city ever, by the way. Ever. And I love Chicago. I got stranded in O'Hare overnight once. Well, that's not good. Oh, it sucks. That's not good, bud. No. That's not good. That's not good, bud. (laughs) All right, so your go-to. So what's the go-to then? I mean, you like, you like to mix uh, I guess it up. ketchup and mustard. Ketchup and mustard. Both. Do you, do you put mayonnaise? No. No. Some people like having mayonnaise, ketchup, and mustard, and relish. I've seen that specifically in the South. We do love mayonnaise downtown. So, mm-hmm. so you're you're just a ketchup and mustard guy. If you had yeah, to pick, pretty much. but you, if chili and cheese is there, you'll take it. But oh, you're absolutely. not a big chili cheese dog guy. Well, and the thing of it is, I don't go to the trouble of preparing it. It's, if I'm at a barbecue or something or wherever, and Ball it's bark. available, yeah, put it on. Okay. All right. Let's go to the intern extraordinaire, Daryl. All right, bud, what's your go-to hot dog topping? By the way, answering that you don't like hot dogs <laughs> will get an F on your internship grade, just to let you know. Go. No, I'm, I'm a hot dog lover. I, chili cheese, but I put, I put I don't put mustard. I put mayonnaise and ketchup on okay. mine. But uh, chili cheese. And you know what? I, I, I like sauerkraut, too. I've done it before. I've See? eaten Say. But what was cheese? that guy's comment? Sauerkraut is like putting Aaron Judge on the the Red Sox. <laughs> That's classic. <laughs> I love That's that. pretty. That's pretty good. Well, you know the Red Sox are the Yankees farm team. I mean, in reality, think about it: Babe Ruth, Sparky Lyle, and the list goes on. All it goes on and on. But who was that badass third baseman in the late nineties? Um, oh, I can't remember. What third baseman for the Red Sox? Yeah, and then he Wade Box. The, yeah, that's yeah. the one. That's the one. Yeah, Wade Box. Yeah, it, well, back in the day when guys actually were applauded and you wanted someone to hit over 300 every season, that doesn't exist anymore because the nerds took over baseball. So, but that's a discussion for another day. So, okay, so you're you're versatile, Daryl. You'll take whatever. Yes, very okay. versatile. Versatile. Steve, you're pretty versatile, but you go with ketchup and mustard as your go-to. Because it's easy. Because it's easy. I, I, I'm versatile as well. Uh, look, I like a good, look, I like sauerkraut. I like relish. I like uh, all the toppings on it. Sometimes I'll put everything on there just to, to be a glutton. So uh, I'm flexible as well. Producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names. What's the go-to? We already established you hate sauerkraut, thus hating Germans, including my mother who came here in this <laughs> country through Ellis Island. I did not say I hated Germans. And my grandmother on the Never other side it. that did the same thing. Never said it. So that's fine. You hate the German people. So <laughs> that, that, that's fine. So what's your go-to topping for your hot dog? Okay, so my go-to... And it's like Steve, I don't like having to prepare it, but I would good for a little chili cheese dog. But I like putting like some like diced tomatoes and some jalapenos on top too. Oh, she likes oh, jalapenos. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, if I'm lazy though, I'm I just could go ketchup. for that. 
Oh, yeah. But if I'm lazy, I'm putting ketchup. I may put mayonnaise, but I gotta put, like, Tabasco with it so it mixes all three together. Makes my own little, like, dipping sauce. Nice. Nice. Dip boiled shrimp. I like yeah. the jalapenos. Nice. We had, we had someone submit lobster hot dog. Like, instead of hot dogs, you put lobster on a, a, a fancy bun. That's kind of like spray painting a Porsche with a spray can. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Steve. <laughs> For Steve Wiley, the, the intern extraordinaire. Darryl, I can't top that. That's why we have to go to break. Uh, intern extraordinaire, Daryl, and producer extraordinaire, and of five names. Thank you guys for uh, stepping in, for talking about our foodie poll question of the week. What's your go-to hot dog topping? When we come back here at RP3 and Company, Bob Nightingale, USA Today Major League Baseball reporter will join us. I'm going to ask him what he puts on his hot dogs. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There are two types of sports reporters. Those who are respected for their ability at building relationships with coaches and players. And here's our game plan. Then there are those whose method of reporting is getting hammered with a college football team and Pat O's. We're going you guess which one rp3 is back to more rp3 and company on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station oh if you suffer from joint pain from arthritis or an injury you know the traditional treatments pain meds and steroids and then surgery right look it's RP3 here. Got great news for you. There's a better way, and it's here right now, available right now, from the local medical professionals at QC Kinetics. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in regenerative medicine. This is an advanced, exciting, and natural alternative that can give you lasting relief using your body's own healing power. Listen, steroid shots are toxic to your joints. Pain meds are addictive. And nobody, nobody wants to go under the knife. It's 2022, and those old ways are out, and new ways are in. Regenerative medicine can restore and repair damaged joint tissue using the natural biologics, no drugs, no downtime, and no surgery. QC Kinetics regenerative protocols can address any pain in any joint and give you quality of life that you deserve call now and schedule your free consultation 337-243-4222 that's 337-243-4222 qc kinetics 337-243-4222 we are efforting bob nightingale from usa today We'll see if we can get him on the line. If not, we'll just have to bring him on later in the week. The Major League Baseball columnist, reporter from the USA Today. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. <clears throat> it's our foodie poll question of the week. What's your favorite hot dog topping? Twenty. Oh, sorry, 76% of you say chili and cheese. 20% say ketchup and or mustard. 2% for relish. 2% for sauerkraut. Ton on Twitter says, all right, everybody hating on sauerkraut and relish, but have you ever tried them? No. Then shut up. Anywho, ketchup, mustard, and a bit of relish with sauerkraut on the side. Great! With a Tony the Tiger gift. Shout out to Ton. Shout out to Ton. Don't you, don't you be shaking your head about Ton's comment. 
He's allowed to make those comments. Producer extraordinaire. Hater of all things German. Hannah Five Names. It wasn't Hater. his comment. It was Hater. the way you said the great from the tiger. <laughs> Darren on Twitter says, chili no cheese. He just likes the chili dog. That's his go-to. Shout out to Darren. By the way, Darren, I know you're happy. Vinny Iyer saying good things. Good things about your New York Jets. You have to be feeling good. Maybe the Jets are going to be under the radar. Huh? Under the radar. There we go. That may be best thing for the Jets. Less pressure. Just be under the radar. Sneaky team. Martin says putting sauerkraut on a good old hot dog is not human. It just don't belong on a dog. Just like pineapples don't belong on pizza. Absolutely not. Martin, it was a good run for you being on the air. But that comment may have crossed the line. You crossed a line you can't come back from, Martin. <laughs> Y'all hating, man. Y'all hating on sauerkraut. Hating on the sauerkraut. Can't believe it. Can't believe it. Look, I like what I like. I'm not going to make apologies. I like what I like. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and the Twitter. The Twitter. Once again, Astros, big winners last night. Crushed the faces of the poor New York Mets. Such a sad day. So beat. <laughs> I enjoy this thoroughly. Anytime the Mets lose, the Phillies lose, I'm here for it. I don't feel that way as much about the Washington Nationals, even though they're in my division with my Braves, because they're so new, and it's not the teams that I rooted against growing up. So that's part of it, but I don't care for the Nationals either. But any day the Mets and the Phillies lose, it's a good day. It's a good day. Jordan Alvarez continues to be on his ridiculous tear. If you're a pitcher, why are you even pitching to him? I, I, it's get, we're going to get to the point where he's going to be getting two walks a game. It's coming. Now, the great thing about the Astros lineup, though, is you got Tucker usually behind him. So it doesn't matter. Now you have Breggs starting to heat up. So you got Breggs before him and Tucker behind him. Big night last night. Yuli Gurriel got himself a two-run home run. And Bregman did well at the plate as well. His average is now north of 240, so it's he's pushed it. Last couple weeks, he's been able to push it up by 20 points. So you got to keep on going, keep on improving. They got Jeremy Pena back, the rookie sensation. He's back from the IL, even though they had to send Michael Brantley Jr. down to the IL for that shoulder discomfort. It was a busy day yesterday with uh, players being sent to the IL. Bryce Harper for the Phillies. He's going to have to have surgery on his thumb. They are hopeful he comes back this season. That doesn't sound hopeful to me. But he's going to be out for a while. But my favorite story, my favorite story of the injuries, because you never want to you never want to relish someone getting injured. You see what I did there? Because relish is a whole question answer she's shaking her head again not to worry my favorite part of who got put on the il yesterday is the fact that one of the guys involved in the brawl for the fighting mvps 
is going to be on the IL now with a broken elbow. Angels relief pitcher Archie Bradley is out after fracturing his elbow, falling out of the dugout to try to get involved in the brawl. So not only do the Angels, who are an absolute disaster, have fired their manager, they have their crazy licking the walls manager interim guy he gets suspended for 12 games they have a pitcher throwing all the sunflower seeds out onto the field because nothing says hold me back bro then throwing sunflower seeds on the field where no one's around oh you're a bad man you're a bad man the interpreter got a two-game suspension for being involved in the brawl for the angels this is how much of a mess they are but this is the cherry on the top that a relief pitcher injures himself not in the brawl, but trying to get in the brawl. Leaping over, trying to get over the railing in the dugout. And he falls down and breaks a bone in his right elbow. (laughs) Like, for real? For real? This, This just encompasses the dumpster fire that the fighting MVPs are. This doesn't happen to well-run organizations, by the way. This only happens to trash cans like the Angels, where a guy tries to get involved into a brawl but hurts himself by getting over the rail. And, oh, by the way, he's a pitcher. He can't start throwing, can't start throwing in the throwing program for four weeks while his elbow heals. He's going to be out at least a month. Just, are you kidding me? (laughs) Oh, man, the Angels. Their dumb name, trying to get the Los Angeles market, giving washed up guys on the back end of their career, major massive deals that come back to bite them in the tuchus. Randone's going to miss the rest of the year now. That contract is awful. The Torrey Hunter contract was awful. The Albert Pujols contract was awful. They're just a poorly ran franchise. And they got pitchers injuring themselves, jumping all over rails to try to get involved into brawls. <laughs> just terrible. Just terrible. And non-injury related, that Freddie Freeman news that came out yesterday. As a Braves fan, hurts my heart a little bit, but I root for my team. Loved Freddie, loved what he did for the Bravos, but him leaving, you know, sometimes you got to make tough business decisions. But we come to find out because Matt Olson's done a very nice job replacing Freddie Freeman. He's also younger. So the Braves are trying to ensure that they have their first baseman for the next six to seven years with this core. Freddie wanted to stay, but his representation wanted to play hardball. Braves gave him an offer as soon as the lockout ended. This is what it is. His representation said, no, we want more. The Braves came up with more money. Apparently, Freddie wanted to stay. His agent then said, hey, the Braves don't want you. They're parted ways. The Braves said, okay. We'll go and get Olsen. And they did. And now you got Freddie playing for the Dodgers. 
where he'll likely now, because of state taxes in California and the fact that so much of the contract is actually deferred, which we didn't know when it first broke, but we now know is the case, could make less money than the offer was to stay in Atlanta. And he just came back to play the Braves. It was an emotional weekend. You saw him there sitting on the bench by himself behind the rest of his Dodger teammates. And now he's fired his agency, reportedly. Yeah, this is what happens when you let other people make decisions for you concerning your finances. Just saying. Just saying. So maybe it wasn't the Braves didn't want him. Maybe Freddie just wasn't represented properly. Sure does feel that way. We got to take a timeout. Wrap up today's show. Finalize that poll question of the day and get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. Should be a glorious Wednesday morning, but I can never tell. May have been too many runs scored. Maybe it's not glorious. It's just a good morning. I'm not for sure. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, the Houston Astros are one of the hottest teams in baseball, and you can see them live in person. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Check it out. Stros are going to take on the fighting April champions, the Seattle Mariners, Saturday, July 30th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astro Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian, Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Don't forget, keep it locked in today, this afternoon. Day baseball, Astros at the Mets, Verlander on the bump for the Strohs. First pitch set for 12-10. We'll be carrying it live right here on the game. I want to take a moment to thank our guest, Ron Higgins, the Mad Dog Hollywood Higgins. From Tiger Details, joining us talking all things LSU. Vinny Iyer, great conversation with the Sporting News NFL reporter as we tackled the big question marks, the most intriguing things heading into training camp. Appreciate Vinny for his time. And thanks to Bob Nightingale, unable to get him on today. We'll reschedule for later this week. Thanks to all who called. Thanks to all who voted on the poll question of the day. Even those who threw slander about sauerkraut. What's your favorite hot dog topping? It's our foodie poll question of the week. 77% go to chili and cheese. 19% say ketchup ketchup and or mustard. And 2% each for relish and sauerkraut. Appreciate all of you who called and all of you who voted. For the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parts III. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote in Footnotes is up next right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles.